Hey everyone, welcome to Dental Voice with Zyrus. My name is Rolando, and today, talk about special. We are in Chicago at Dr. Michael Matsumoto DDS in his practice that he's been here for, actually they celebrated 25 years. I met Dr. Matsumoto several years ago. We'll get into that in a little bit, but the purpose of this is to spend some time with him and kind of hear about First of all, how he's been able to do so well in Chicago over the past 25 years and kind of the context around what's next now that we're into the next new normal. Dr. Matsumoto, Dr. Michael, thank you so much for joining. It's such a pleasure. Thank you, Rolando and Chris, for uh, having me. No, it's just fantastic. Really a privilege. Yeah. So we're going to jump right in because then we're going to get to the cool stuff a little bit later. But so you've been in this practice now almost 25 years. You've seen a lot happen, haven't you? Yes, I have. <laughs> Holy cow. How did this all start? And kind of what are some of the things that uh, that you had to do to get here? Well, I had an opportunity to open up uh, my own practice, and that's basically why I wanted to do it. Um, just wanted to take care of things, be able to treat patients the way I wanted to treat, not being told how I need to do certain things or how much production I need to do or how much collections I need to you know get. I just wanted to make sure I treated the patients the right way. So the driver behind this was about your patients, right? Oh, most definitely. Yeah. Now you, were you before here, you had already been in practice for almost ten years. Is that right? Uh, about nineteen eighty-nine. So yeah, about six, seven years before I decided. So in the past twenty-five years that you've been here, what are some of the huge things? What are some of the things that you observed that have changed, and how do you see that affecting what we do going forward now that we're kind of past the pandemic and into this new normal? What are some of the things you see? Well, funny you should say the pandemic was one of the hardest things that anyone, because never, never in my career did I have to shut down for two and a half months, right? So that was one of the big things. Uh, you know, flying by the seat of your pants, trying to figure out what we need to do, how to keep our staff, how to keep our patients. And once we were able to re reopen, how to keep patients safe and how to keep our staff safe, because no one knew what COVID was, right? So... And now that we're through it, how do you feel? What's kind of the sentiment around it with your team, with your patients, you personally? I mean, how are you feeling about now that we're kind of over that? Well, I think dentists in general, we're always, you know, immaculate about infection control, right? We have all our standards that we have to, and our guidelines like OSHA and EPA that we have to maintain. So I think dentists, most dentists knew about that, but just... The things that happened after pandemics, right? Like staff not wanting to return, uh -huh. and even trying to hire new staff and things like that. I was really fortunate. I was able to maintain my staff and they're still with me. So I'm very blessed in that sense. That's so cool. In in the grand scheme of things, one of the biggest issues that everyone's facing, especially because of that, now that we're through it, is is staffing. Now you mentioned your staff's been with you. How long how long has your team been with you? Um, in the practice and, and kind of. My present practice, uh, the youngest member has been here. Stephanie has been here for about four years. Um, and Louisa has been here for 18. Holy cow. What is the key, if I were to ask you, because you shared with me something that kind of blew my mind. Everybody, check this out. A <clears throat> couple, I don't know, several months ago, we had a team called Startup Tandem, and their focus is on human resources and compliance. Dr. Michael shared this manual with me, and what blows me away is it says 2023. This is officially the Michael Matsumoto 
Bible or what, what is this? Talk to me about this. And the staff <laughs> refers to it as the Bible. It's called the letter of Michael to the Stephanians. <laughs> to the Stephanians. <laughs> kind of like letter of Paul to the Corinthians is basically what they're about. So what is this? What I mean, this is amazing that you have in here literally details about everything that you ask your team to do. What's, what's that, Ovar? Well, one of the things is you just definitely need to have guidelines. Otherwise, you're running around like a chicken without a head. So when I designed this, when I wrote this, it took me about a year, year and a half to write. And, you know, I asked my team, you know, Stephanie, Maribel, Louisa, Candy, they're all integral parts of what went in here. And I think one of it is once you have guidelines and we have situations like, you know, if a patient shows up on the wrong day or if we're running late, you know, all these different things that we have, what we need to do at those times and we talk about it in our huddle and we talk about it you know when something doesn't go right but it's just having some sort of guideline and sticking to it and being accountable to it and everyone's up to this held to the same standard it just knows that everyone kind of knows okay this is the situation we've been through this before let's do it again and if something doesn't work out whenever we have our staff meetings we'll bring it up and say hey, that didn't work uh, or that worked great and, you know, that's just the one thing that I think having some guidelines and accountability and the biggest thing in my, you know, 25 years is trusting the team. You know, that's the, I think when the team feels empowered and trusted, they work, they'll do what they need to do. And I think that's one of the things that I'm so grateful having being blessed by the team and even some of my former employees who I still keep in touch with and occasionally temp at our office. It's just, I'm just blessed. I'm so really lucky. This is, this is huge. The, this, this idea of trust is a big issue in dentistry because we hear all these horror stories of people bringing teams on or people on and, you know, they come out starting, do you start with trust right out of the gate or kind of how, how does that, how does that evolve and what, what advice would you give people around that? I think from when you first interview someone, you know, if you've been in the field long enough, you have a general idea of what they're going to look like or how they're going to work. And you do like a, you know, um, a dress rehearsal or a, like a working interview and you kind of get a feel. And you, if you've been in the industry long enough, you see if they're there just to go through the motions or if they really care about the patients. And one of the biggest things for me was I want to make sure that my patients feel at home and I want to make sure my staff feels like, Every patient here should be treated like a family member. And I treat my staff like they're family. So that's one of the big things for me. <laughs> and um, I think it just makes it for cohesiveness. It just makes it so much easier. Um, and the fact that I have like an open door policy, if there's anything that didn't go well, if a staff needs to talk to me, if about something personal, if I, if I, annoyed them or irritated them. So wait a minute, you annoy your staff? Oh, all the time. They'll be the first <laughs> to tell you that too. But one of the greatest compliments I got from both patients and people who've walked by the hallway or even sat in our waiting room is that they always hear laughter in our office. Usually it's probably the staff making fun of me, but no, it's it's kind of a nice environment to work in. Um, I've, been in I've been in offices where you can just hear a pin drop and the tension. And, yeah. you know, sometimes I've had that experience in my own office and you know you just don't like that it's not really conducive to you know patient care and practicing also you know think about it if you you and your team are having issues your patients feel that don't they oh definitely and Absolutely. that's it so you shared with me a little bit earlier something about accountability now there's a jar out there with like money in it what's this jar out there with money in it well it's called the accountability jar and 
we developed it to to basically um, hold staff accountable. For example, if we do something that's not, um, or we forget to do something, or we drop an instrument, or something that just disrupts our patient flow, you know, you're supposed to put a dollar in the jar, and it's probably close to almost three hundred dollars now. So for it, wait, so time out. Who gets the money? We're probably going to do like a team outing, or uh, we're probably going to we started an investment club with our with our staff, and we're probably going to do something like invest in a stock, and you know we'll see how that goes, but. This is basically to hold everyone accountable. Um, the funniest thing is this: we've I had to elect a judge, and I nominated Maribel, my front desk, to be the judge, and she's the one who holds the payment <laughs> of that because otherwise they're going to argue no, and I'm the one that's why like, not? Yeah, why not? And so exactly, so Maribel's the judge, and you know everyone fears her, so that basically everyone uh, fears her. She's wonderful. Yeah, but, yeah. I, but the funniest thing about this accountability jar, it's I'm the one who's probably <laughs> 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 wait, wait, why you? Yeah, because then they'll hold the book. Because that's why you forgot to do this. I'm like, oh, <laughs> you wrote the book. I wrote the book exactly. So yeah, but that's so it's great because you can hold everybody to it too. So oh, that's so cool, and and everybody participates. Everybody understands. Yes, and because there's clarity, that's that's so cool. Yeah, definitely. Uh, a lot of people right now, and and if you look at our industry, are struggling with with finding and building teams. And, uh, you know, there are a lot of young dentists out there, or even, it's not even young, it's it's kind of hitting everybody. What kind of, what are, what, what's some advice that you would give people to, to figure out how to nurture and then build your team and, and kind of build that kind of loyalty that you've had for so long? What, what, what are some thoughts around that? Well, I think the first thing you need to do is have like some sort of mission or something that you want your practice to represent. Um, and then you build your team around that. That's the way I look. That's the way I did it. Um, I wanted, first of all, my patients were always going to be first. The patients were a priority. That's what I wanted That's to have the team. And I wanted people who were like that. And so when I started interviewing people, and I've definitely had people that weren't like that, that no longer work here. But for the most part, I've been really blessed to have people that are like that, that share that philosophy and are authentic about it. You know, when you yeah, see that, yeah, when you when you see them and you, when you work together, you see them engage the patients. They know the patient's family. They know the dog's name, you know, and they engage in the patient. And they really They care. really care. Yeah. And that really makes... A huge thing and i guess since being from hawaii they talk about this word called ohana it's family right that's so, lily and stitch isn't it exactly yeah. but ex that's basically the atmosphere i wanted and that's basically what the type of member team members i wanted um and, it, and it's definitely difficult to find you know but you just have to find that you just want to have a philosophy and then you set your guidelines of how you want that to look and then hold the people accountable back in the day i think the growth for me was I used to micromanage. I used to just try to do this, this, and this, and it just got too much stress. And you just, team members would just, well, why are you doing this? I know my job. So I think the biggest thing for me was just being able to let go, have the guidelines and trust. How did you, how did you get there? Because there are so many clinicians who struggle with letting go. How did, how did you get there? Are you personally? I think it's just when you start to see the empowerment of your team, by you letting them do what they think is going to be like, Maribel no longer has a company. Dr. Mike Perea had this patient, just do it. You need to do what you have to do. A patient needs to be That's seen, cool. go ahead and do it. You know, if there's if, if there's a problem, you know, we all have our communication systems on Weave and all our, on EgoSoft. 
if I'm not looking at that and I didn't see that, yeah, it's my fault. But I can always say, hey, what, what's going on here? Pay money. Yeah, no. <laughs> but I think it's just empowering your team, trusting them, and then being able to communicate if there's something that didn't work out and say, hey, this didn't work. Let's let's get ready for next time. But you know, just don't hold any negativity over it. It's going to happen, right? Yeah, so I, I love how you know you recognize that in yourself and that you know it's that trust factor and you can feel it. You, we walk into your practice and well, first it's beautiful practice, so well kept, immaculate, but there's also kind of, to your point, this family. What do you see happening in dentistry going forward about you are a single proprietor and <clears throat> there's so many, there's so much dialogue around what's happening here, where things are evolving to. What are your thoughts about that? Well, I, <clears throat> I think dentistry is growing tremendously. I think one of the big things is all the technology, artificial intelligence that's coming out. And you're going to be at the midwinter. You're going to probably see a lot of that. But I think one of the things is you see all these DSOs or you see all these like dental groups that are just starting to buy off practices. And, you know, there's good and bad. I mean, I'm not going to get into any discussion on that. But as far as a single proprietor or solo practitioner, I think it's going to be a little more difficult because, you know, a lot of students coming out these days have student loans. Um, so the first thing they want to do is probably either associate or, you know, join one of these group practices. And then, you know, hopefully if they can develop or earn enough capital and open up their own practice. Sure. Um, so you support young dentists kind of getting their, their arms around their heads around it. And then you, you also support them pursuing opening up their own practice or acquiring practice. Just oh, definitely. I think if they want, if they can, because that's basically, if you go into practice and work for a company or a DSO, that's great if you if you can find success in it and be happy with it. But a lot of dentists also want to do their own thing. So while you're working as an associate or while you're working for a, a group practice, find what you really want to do. Find your joy. Find what makes you happy and what makes your patients happy. Then if you want to go out and develop your own or start your own practice, use your philosophy of what you want and build it from there. I love that. What a wonderful perspective. And, you know, the context around sharing, the context around clarity, the context around trust, then also finding your passion. Do you have any mentors or any people that you uh, you look up to who really got you here? Oh, definitely. Uh, some of my instructors from dental school, Dr. Jay Gaiman, who is my mentor, he's, he, uh, I still keep in touch with him. His, he sent his family to see me as patients. So that's, that's a, a that's huge, huge privilege and honor. Um, Dr. Hurst, my director, my GPR residency, you know, just an outstanding mentor, uh, Bill Friedrich. Um, but probably the most is uh, Dr. Patrick Pierre, who I started out with in, uh, right after my GPR, by one of the most meticulous dentists, um, you know, very, very skilled. He's a perioprostal, and he taught me to raise my game to another level. Uh, just the stuff, even his temporaries look better in certain people's crowns, <laughs> and I was like, wow. Yeah, so cool. that was one of the things he's probably my mentor that you know I have to give props to and then even after I got out there you know like all the people that are in the continuing education realm so I have a lot of people to be grateful for I could I could sit there all day and thank people but you know I know we're running on time no 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 not at all so when you look at young dentists when you look at young professionals what advice would you give them with regard to kind of dentistry going forward if you were to kind of say hey Based on everything you've seen, you know, understanding and the success you build, what what advice would you want to give? 
probably the first thing is in dental school these days. I'm not sure if they're getting as much of the education and what you're going to see in private practice. I would definitely do some sort of post-grad program like an AGD or a GPR. Uh, if you can get into a GPR like a, at a level one trauma center, even better because you're going to see stuff that you're never going to see, but it's also going to make you a better dentist because stuff like that does come back into your office these days. So, so continue education, get your feet put around that. What about with regard to entering into the workforce and, and pursuing maybe opening up your own practice? What advice would you give them? Oh, find your passion is basically the way I look at it. If, if you know, patient care and certain aspects of dentistry, like cosmetics, veneers, carnivore bridge, implants, find what you're doing and find your niche and, you know, develop it and grow it. Go for it, right? Exactly. <laughs> so I have to share the way I met Dr. Mike Nakamoto. <laughs> a couple of years ago, we're sitting here at a, we were at a, I think it was a peri-implant symposium and I'm standing there and he comes up to me and you have to tell, how did we meet? <laughs> well, it was at the Dental Economics Practice Management Seminar in Scottsdale, Arizona a couple of years ago. And you had asked, um, I had approached your booth and I was looking at that. And I said, oh, I, I recognize him. And then you came up to my table for lunch and you said, uh, hey, I'm Rolando. And I said, oh, I'm Mike. Yeah, I, I recall I watched the uh, webinar with Rella Christensen. And it was a very informative. I even had the video on my phone because I kept Blew it. it away. And it was about, um, it was during the pandemic about mouth rinses that they used. And it was very valuable information. So I said, yeah, that's how I remember you. And, uh, and we had a great lunch after that. Oh, oh, what a great lunch. Well, he pulls out this knife, right? And I'm going, wait a minute. What is that? It's like, you, you took my knife. <laughs> yeah. It, we both are, you know, we both chained in some more, you know, martial arts. <laughs> the knife was very similar. It was funny. It was a Ken Onion Kershaw knife that yeah. we both had. And, you know, we both... We both love the quality of those knives. So, <laughs> so first of all, you can tell at the, the, the moment I met Dr. Michael, there is something wonderful about him, and I really appreciate you taking the time here and everything. If you were to kind of sum up everything we've been talking about here, and wanted to kind of kind of give a message out to to our viewers, to people who are going to be watching this, your team, your patients, what's that message that you'd like to give? Oh, basically treat people like the way you want to be treated. Treat them like family. It's like there's no strangers in the world, just friends you haven't really met yet. So, you know, you and I were strangers, right? And, you know, we basically hit it off that. A little more strange than him, right? <laughs> Not even. It's, it's, the last two years, you've come back to Chicago. Specifically, you've come to visit me. You made it a point to come visit me. Oh, your wife, V. Come on. Yeah, sure. Yeah. We're related. I yeah, think. definitely. <laughs> and our birthdays are a couple of days apart. So. so, well, hey, first of all, we really appreciate you taking the time to sit here. Thank you for sharing your perspective. I love the context around the 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 Michael Matsumoto Bible, holding people accountable. The the context around sharing and everything, folks. If you like this content, please share it. If you have questions, if people had questions um, or wanted to reach out to you, what would be the best way to do that? Probably our website, uh, mymdschicago.com, um, and on there there's a uh, contact links as well as our email. Awesome. And your email, what would be the best way to contact you? Uh, mmatsumoto2001 at gmail.com. Awesome. Well, hey, folks, if you like this content, please share. If you have questions or want to contact Dr. Matsumoto or check out his uh, practice to see what he's doing, he is at 30 North Michigan in Chicago. Been here for a while. Absolutely wonderful, wonderful person. And I love the mess, the energy that he has here. And 
Thank you so much, sir. For Thanks, Ryan. Always a pleasure. You. Thank you.